1: Oh, What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Strike and Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire and all you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And joining me this afternoon is um, the co-host that can never co-host, the man from Niners Nation, KP, Kyle Posey. What's up, bro?
2: Big day today, man, (laughs) right? We got the MLB trade deadline. Isn't that pretty much? What's I know I saw some
1: up? Oakland fans grieving <laughs> for a couple of players. I believe that seems like the Oakland's mo, right? Just...
2: Trade away your best players. Yeah, man. Uh, going things going well. Glad to see you. When's the last time I saw you?
1: Shit, man. It would have been before COVID. A couple of years, yeah. Yeah, man. because you had the season where nobody was really allowed to come. Then you had last season where I wasn't here. And then, ever the world's back to normal now.
2: <laughs> We're allowed to go outside again.
1: <laughs> right. So, Just in case this sounds a little weird or the audio is a little off, uh, KP and I are both un- in the closet under the stairs right now, aka the little side room in the media room where the NFL Network people will go to record their little segments. There's like a TV on the wall that they make it say NFL Network and stuff, and then they sit in front of it. So That's where we are. We're in this little closet. It's probably six feet by... 10 feet and half of it is taken up by like technology equipment. So we're roughing it, man. This is tough stuff in here. But so I guess the, the the pertinent news of the day would be Debo Samuel's first practice, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, he did sign a contract, so he's allowed to practice now. And by allowed, he was always allowed to practice. But if you're Debo Samuel, you're never going to step on the field without um, a new deal. So that makes sense. Um, he was kind of eased into it a bit though. He didn't like participate fully with the first team. And I actually like with the 49ers do so um, sometimes Debo will go with the second team, sometimes Ayuk will go with the second team, so they get a chance to mix and match. But he looks in great shape. He looks like Debo Samuel. He's fast. Yeah. Um he's probably gonna <laughs> run over some guys. Um it's I think it's just big for him to get some reps in with Trey Lance, and and that didn't happen a lot today again because he's being eased back in. But like it they have so many good players that your eyes are all over the place. But just talking about Debo in general, I imagine he's just happy to get back to football things again.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you heard what Trent Williams was saying about him. Like, he basically said in, in Trent's press conference that, like, the whole Debo and him coming out with the boom box in front of the team is not like an act. It's not – you know, Debo is like that heart and soul of the team. So, I'm sure even having him there but not participating in practice, it probably wasn't weird for people, but it, it was probably – I'll just say it was – Probably great for them to have him in practice. I think he did a great job last week of just,
2: you know, picking up the teammates, being on the side. He looked engaged. Yeah, Ray you were
1: McLeod, here. You tell me, how was he be, How was he before I got?
2: When Ray McLeod would, like, come off the field, he would walk over to him and you could just see them, see them talking. The same with Danny Gray. So it's not like he's over in the corner sulking that he doesn't have right. a new deal. He's a good teammate, man.
1: Yeah, so last night, yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, um, I was at a, a big family gathering, and I looked down at my phone, which I was trying not to do much of because I'm hanging out with family. Uh, and what do you know Debo Samuel has uh, signed an extension with the 49ers? If you haven't heard the numbers, I'm sure you have. Three years, $71.5 million. That's an average of twenty-three point eight a year. Uh, $24 million signing bonus, $58 millions in guarantees. He gets uh six million in twenty-two, nine million in twenty-three, twenty-nine million in twenty-four, and twenty-four million in twenty-five. And I think that those first three years, including this one, which some of his salary was rolled into, or signing bonuses, pretty much is the is the health of his guarantee. So this year plus two more years, and then after that, you know, that twenty-four million dollar year, who knows? But if Debo's still playing like Debo Samuel, then I, I would fully expect him to because, I mean, you got to think that's 2025. The salary cap is supposed to take two huge leaps forward, right? Maybe three huge leaps forward in between now and then. That may be the case of like almost like Jimmy Garoppolo, where like at one point Jimmy was the highest paid quarterback or up there, and then all of a sudden within three years he's like 10, 12. And maybe that we are now we know that that's probably where he should have been compensated, but. I'm not really seeing anything in the Devo contract. It was very, very similar to the one that um, DK Metcalf signed. Same agents. It was almost like they used that as a, a starting point. And I believe it was just a tad below that, right? It wasn't quite what DK got paid, which to me, it's kind of an odd. The 49ers have always been in this odd situation where it's like, could Debo be better than DK? As you saw in the back half of the season? Yes, absolutely, without question. Has he been better than DK the same throughout their same careers? Maybe not as consistent, but they're obviously in two completely different situations. So I mean, what do you think, man? What's your what's your thoughts on just you've talked about it with your other pod bros. What's uh, what well, do, What are your thoughts?
2: I think it's a good sign when you can type in Debo Samuel contract and you don't see a bunch of, wow, you're overpaid for this. Right. Like There's been none of that. So I think people understand the type of caliber player we're talking about. I think it's a good point you had where um, think about the other receivers are going to who are going to get paid after him, like whether it's Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore. So um, pretty soon here, yeah, this contract might be looking like a still, of course, yes, healthy. Yeah, and that's like really the only stickler part, right, where. Um, if if he does stay healthy though he has he has a chance to put up some very very good numbers. I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, they had a little contract clause in there where I, th- I believe he makes six six hundred fifty thousand uh, for the rushing yards. So if he surpasses uh, three hundred eighty, yeah, three hundred
1: eighty, which is
2: pretty. Uh, Pretty specific considering he ran for 365 last year, which tells you, right, that he's probably not going to get reached that number. Um, So looking at his cap hits each year, it only went up uh, 1.7 million for 2022. And I think just how the Niners always do, they they usually add a void year where uh, they can spread out the signing bonus and keep those first couple of cap hits lower. So, again, they don't really need the money right away, but come next year they'll be able to, with Trey Lance on a rookie contract now that Debo's extended, uh, they'll be able to make some moves and probably bring in a pretty high-caliber free agent uh, down the line.
1: Yeah, I was doing the the math on just whenever they part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo, that immediately takes the 49ers from 31st in salary cap space to 2nd. It's nuts. <laughs> they go from about five million in salary cap to over thirty. I think it's thirty point six, and they're just—I uh, believe it was the Cleveland Browns—they're—they're they're behind by about fifteen million, and then just ahead of the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm—if I'm remembering that correctly. So the Forty millioners aren't necessarily in a problem with money. It seems like they were able to find a nice little balance of paying Debo what he deserves, but not necessarily something where you're like, man, they're gonna regret that because if Devo maintains what he did at the back half of last season, that to me is like money well spent, right? Oh. Like it's, he was like the, you can't say the soul engine of the team. Cause other, they were still making plays elsewhere, <laughs> but he was pretty, close. <laughs> he was like, you know, and I think that, I think he had over a hundred rush yards just in the postseason alone, you know, and when those two, two and a quarter games. So, He's, um, it's, it's money well spent. And what's good for Debo is I believe he's 26 right now and it's only a three year deal. So he could very well still, if, and and this is a huge, this helps the Niners too. This is a huge, it's not like Debo's been paid and he has been paid. That's generational wealth. You know, like he can take care of everybody he wants to take care of with that amount of money, even the guarantees, but he still has a chance to get a very similar contract again. You know, it's that first contract is obviously life changing. But if he can do it twice, you're talking about having money for your kids, having money for oh, your kids' yeah. kids, and however long you want that to to go. So you, he has incentive to continue playing the way he was playing last year. 100. You're just talking about
2: last year. Uh, looking at his box scores, so going through the second half against the Rams, 97 yards touchdown against jacksonville he had a rushing touchdown that made obviously made a difference um against the vikings two rushing touchdowns just keep going down the line down the line i uh, remember the titans game he had that long catch where he kind of broke away from everybody um obviously he had a touchdown in the, the final regular season and then he was their offense, so like he had to be paid and it's not real a real surprise that uh this was the case but um What's going to change this year? Because early on here in training camp, and maybe this is a good segue to training camp, it seems like uh, Brenna Uke's kind of Trey Lance's guy. And, of course, they're never going to ignore Debo Samuel. But um, I would not be surprised if some or a lot of the workload is taken off of Debo's plate um, because, again, there are so many other guys on this team.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Brandon Ayuk, as far as receivers go, put up the same competitive numbers with Debo. Like, in terms of, you know, Debo going five catches for 110 yards and Ayuk going four catches for, you know, a 96. You know, I don't think that there's going to be this huge discrepancy between the two of them. and They probably want that. Right. And, frankly, Brandon Ayuk put in – we've seen him put in the offseason work with Trey, yeah. whereas Debo kind of had to distance himself from the team – while he worked that thing out. And to my knowledge, he hasn't done any work with Trey until today. Right? I mean, well was he participating
2: but, in the off season program? He's been running on the sideline this whole time. Yeah,
1: so but, he isn't I mean, were were his first passes from Trey today?
2: Yeah, like he hasn't done anything in teams so far.
1: Obviously right. some experience last season. Right. When when Trey had to take over for Jimmy. But yeah, I mean that relationship for twenty twenty two is starting started today. And I thought it was interesting that while Trey was warming up and just making throws, and usually what happens when the quarterbacks are warming up, there will be like two or three trainers standing at different locations throughout the field, and the quarterbacks will just take a snap and throw it to one of them. And one of the targets was Debo, and he was taking throws from Trey, like deep throws, close throws, throws to the sidelines. And uh, I thought that, you know, that was probably intentional. Like, hey, I mean, I need to start catching passes from this guy all the time because. Catching a Trey Lance ball is not the same as catching a Jimmy Garoppolo ball. A little <laughs>
2: bit different. A little God. more RPMs on You're it. Right.
1: It is pretty crazy to see, like,
2: Trey Lance throw, and then you get Sudfeld, and then you get Purdy. Just the juice on his it ball. It really you is. Like,
1: it's can, not even close. Yeah, you can
2: see the difference. Pretty
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, the both the other quarterbacks can throw a perfectly fine football, but, like, it's very noticeable when Trey is doing his quarterback things. Like – you know, it's little stuff like that. Like everybody that gets a chance to play quarterback in the NFL is a good quarterback if you're in the grand scheme of things. Right. But when it's you can always like I'll talk about it later when it comes to Nick Bosa, like there's a reason guys get picked third overall and like they don't look <laughs> they're just a cut above the rest and you can just immediately see it with your eyes. How tall he is, how built he is, how hard he throws it, how fast he moves, how so you know. easy
2: it comes out of his hand. The ball jumps out nice. of his hand.
1: So, I mean, training camp highlights, and this is just to break you guys down with it. This is something I plan. Um, I am here all week. I have three, this is the first of three practices, and there's a break on Thursday, and then there's three more practices. I'm going to be here for all of those. I'm going to report a podcast after all of those. I will bug KP to be on them with as many as I can do. I mean, I don't want to, you know, wear out my welcome, but... So this, this training camp breakdown thing is going to be a, a big thing this week and kind of the way I'm approaching it today. We didn't script a whole bunch of stuff. We didn't, you know, have a huddle to talk about what we're going to talk about right now, but let's just go through some of the stuff that stood out to us in training camp. And obviously Trey Lance is the mandatory for training. Like we're going to have to talk about Trey Lance every day. Yeah, <laughs> so he is the quarterback. Right. What did you say? What did you see from him today? What I mean, what was your overall Trey Lance takeaway from today? So
2: you're going to see completions, um, attempts, you know, all that stuff. And when people say he went five for 10, that doesn't really tell the whole story, right? I think he looks like he's getting better. I think he looks more comfortable. It really doesn't, man. Um,
1: being my first day here, like when you see that, some would, I didn't keep track of the numbers, or I didn't add them all up. But when somebody said he was like five to 10, I was like, okay. The first
2: one he's throwing to the running back in the flat. There's right. another one where the uh, DB breaks it up. The, that completion to the flat tells us nothing. The one where the DB breaks it up, you might see an incompletion, but like you don't know that the defense got their hands on. Or we're, what we're going to talk about, I imagine, is the offensive line and how he's kind of scrambling on every other drop back. So that like there's a reason these numbers are what they are. But in my opinion, like the biggest the biggest takeaway is how he pushes the ball down the field and how he kind of, I think the offense is shifting toward. Everything was over the middle, over the middle, over the middle. and Now we're seeing it throws to the outside. Um, outside of the hashes and down the field. And that's where this offense is going to thrive at. So uh, I think he just has to be more consistent as far as, you know, consistently throwing the ball and whether that's his arm angles. A lot of times he's throwing right here, but sometimes it's right here. Sometimes it might be like all the way over the top. So um, he's going to have to work on that, but with a clean pocket, it'll be a lot easier to do that. So uh, that was my takeaway today that he didn't really get a chance to fine tune his mechanics because – he was running for his life, right?
1: He was, and when we say like, and, and not—it's not that that's not a, a skill in and of itself. That's a, that was a huge part of the Trey Lance package was being able to evade, evade pressure, create plays on your own. You know, create plays really is kind of where I want to stop because there were so many plays in there that obviously Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't immobile, but there were a lot of plays today that probably would have would have resulted in a sack yeah. that Trey Lance turned into. Uh, a pass downfield, whether it was completed or not at this point, I don't really care. Like if that guy is evading that that army of defensive front that's coming at him every snap, like, I mean, they are relentless. And I mean, he had a couple scrambles for five plus 10 plus. Um, He had, I mean, even one of them was a throwaway. That was impressive. Just how many directions he changed in the pocket got out there and then was just able to get rid of the ball. And you're talking about a throwaway versus a sack. That's a five, six, five to 10 yard difference. The uh,
2: touchdown in the end zone to Brandon Ayuk, where he had to climb the pocket a little bit. He had to make something happen by time. And that took like three and a half seconds. So before the play is even over, it's probably a sack with another quarterback. So um, he's able to extend the play. And then he hits um, Brandon Ayuk, who's fully extended, and that might've been the first reception that I've seen Charverius Ward give up in training camp. He's been pretty lights out. So. Well, he gave, then
1: he gave up too. Uh, he did. He sure yeah. did get him out of there, bomb. <laughs> but no, that uh, was that, was that one tie on him? The touchdown. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, he's not infallible then. We'll get to Charvarius Ward in a little bit because he looks good. Him good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, from what I saw, just the eye test today, and I don't, I'm trying not to look at Trey Lance with any sort of a bias. You know, obviously, I want it to work out. I want him to be good. But I was pretty impressed with what I saw, given what was being thrown at him. You got to understand that, and I tweeted this, and a lot of people really had just zero imagination about <laughs> that, like, the fact that Trey Lance is going up against what might be a top three defense every single day, take that include that context when you see his numbers, you know what I mean? Because not to men not only in top 3, top 5 defense, but a defense that knows every single play.
2: Can probably said
1: that. Yeah, can probably guess the play based on the formation and where Trey Lance is looking and he's got to wade his way through that to make something of it against like maybe if the 49ers knew the defense knew the plays but sucked, like they just weren't so many good players everywhere. But it's absolutely stacked everywhere. 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 Like when – like, I mean, you've got Jimmy Ward. Talano Hufunga could be good. He, he seems like he's finding himself around the ball pretty often. We'll see. He was kind of hit or miss last year.
2: I think just if you – so you're going to name all the stars. But if Hufunga is one of your worst players – That's what I mean. Worst players,
1: you have a pretty freaking good defense. Right. And you've got two good corners competing for the cornerback two job. You've got – Charverius Ward, who's obviously seems as advertised. You've got two linebackers competing for the linebacker two spot that are both very good and have proven themselves. And then you've got a defensive front that you don't need to talk about. And then Trey Lance is behind an offensive line that's trying to find rookie. Uh, rookie who didn't play last
2: year, so technically rookie. So we have Spencer Burford, a right guard. You have Aaron Banks, a left guard. And they're rotating centers every day because they don't know who the center is they between know Jake is. Brindle and Daniel Brunskill. And then today, more so than ever, or more so than the last few days, uh, Trent Williams, uh, in and out with the first team, just because. And then Mike McGlinchey, in and out with the first team. Mm-hmm. So it goes Jalen Moore, um, Jalen Moore, Spencer Burford, Jake Brindle, and then you have uh, Aaron Banks, and then makeshift left tackle uh, Colton McKibbit sometime. Right. Those are the guys who are blocking the 49ers defensive line. Of course, Trey Lance is going to run for us. The 49ers defensive
1: shoot. line is going to torch starters this year. Yes. And so they're torching the backups right now. Breaking. Yeah. And so, it, you know, when, when somebody talks about his completion percentage, you have to keep that in mind. And, you know, it's a little bit of a – I don't even know what you want to call it. It's a, it's a rock and a hard place because you want your quarterback to develop But he's not behind the greatest offensive line right now, and there's a good chance he won't be throughout the season. And that's just something he's going to have to overcome. Because, And it's not ideal. I I think I was texting you, and I said, hopefully he doesn't get the David Carr treatment. Because I think when David Carr was a rookie, by all intents and purposes, an outstanding quarterback coming out, I think he broke the record for how many times he got sacked. sacked. So it's like you're hoping it's not something like that. But overall, I thought Trey Lance was pretty impressive, just given what he's dealing with. And you can see the one thing I tweeted about is, and the only word I could come up with was unpredictability in a good way. Like as a defense, you're looking at him and you don't know if he's just going to pass it within a few seconds, a couple seconds, two and a half. Is he going to evade the pressure that you're throwing at him? Is he going to scramble and throw it downfield as far as he wants to, or is he going to just take it up the field? I wanted to ask Dre Greenlaw that like, how does it change playing linebacker against a quarterback like that? That's
2: a great question, yeah, because they, for all the reasons Can't be the same. Yeah. Um, he's a threat at every level. And then when the plays – so this secondary has done a really good job so far of taking away the routes. As you mentioned, they know what's coming. But when the play breaks down, he adds like another element. So they get practice all the time, you know, whether it's scrambling, whether having to defend a guy down the field, or um, just when he does play on time, when he's actually – when the line does give him, you know – God forbid, two and a half seconds, and they can defend the routes on the outside. So he has to present a difficult challenge, or maybe not difficult—right word, but certainly a different challenge.
1: Right? Yeah, and it's not like NFL defenses are—they don't—they understand what it's like to go against quarterbacks that are athletic because they're becoming the standard now. Right. You know, like every top quarterback that's young is is athletic. Even Justin Herbert, who's you would probably think is the least athletic out of all the new star quarterbacks, he's still a a hell of an athlete and he can move. So Trey Lance just is is just the next breed of quarterback. And obviously, you know, and that's another flip side of it. Dealing with a quarterback like that, this defense is going to be so much more well-versed than it's ever has been because Trey Lance steps in and all of a sudden they've got a they've got to handle the, the play and then they've got to handle whatever comes after it, which is. It's a great practice for week one. You got Justin Fields on deck, right? Right, right. All right. Should we, should we talk about Charverius Ward? Uh, yep. Another day, another interception. Um, Pretty impressive interception, too. Yeah. So Is he playing – so if you're the offense, you're looking at the defense, is he playing left corner or right corner he, from the defense? Yeah, he played – I don't know that he always plays. I'm trying to think now, but I don't
2: – that might have just been um, how they were lined up. Because that
1: was on, like, the right side of the field. Yeah, he can't – so for
2: those of you – Everybody did. Nobody saw the play. So we have to describe it for those of you who didn't see it. But um, So it's Kai on the outside, and he just runs like five yards up and crosses the middle. So they're in man coverage. Trey has to climb up in the pocket. He sees Juice open over the middle. He's he's a little late, but he throws the ball out in front. It seems like the right play to make. Then Traveris Ward, who has incredible recovery speed, something that you need to be – um, you need to be as an elite cornerback he just kind of steps in front of juice's face uh, bobbles it a little bit and comes up with the interception the play looks bad if you're again if you're looking at stats five for ten uh through an interception season's over um <laughs> that was a hell of a play by ward i think it was more impressive that on um, for ward's side than you know to take away from lance that's how i viewed it but Ward's making these plays essentially every practice. And, of course, he's not going to have an interception every practice, but it seems like he does. He's gotten his hand on a pass on every day. So. And the important thing is, yeah, today was against Juszczyk, but he's doing it against Ayuk, and I'm sure he's going to do it against Debo too. That's one thing I'm fascinated to see is how war looks against Debo in one-on-ones because the only knock that I had watching him was like going against like AJ Brown. He would get a little bit out that's Yeah. I know that's, yeah. you know, of course it's AJ Brown, but a uh, strength is how he does against strength. And Debo is a strong dude. So uh, that's something I'm looking forward to in one-on-ones.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you got to think like, what are the ripple effects of getting a guy like Charvarius Ward in the defense. Because if you think about the end of last year, you had Emmanuel Mosley, who was kind of coming back from injury. And then you had Ambry Thomas, who started to come into his own and was actually a halfway decent corner. And now all of a sudden, you've taken those two guys and you've made them compete for one job, and it's almost like they can completely forget about the other side. It's not that he's a – I wouldn't necessarily say Charvarius Ward is among – he could be this season among the – the true lockdown corners, but that's how the 49ers are going to treat it. You know, he's talented enough to just.
2: Yeah. Think about it. So Emmanuel Mosley goes from guarding the number one on every team. And now he guards the number two and he's a very good number two cornerback, but he's going to, he's going to get paid a little bit of money. I think so too. I think he's in for a good season, but you're talking about trickle down effects no? So Traveris guards the number one guy. Now, Mosley guards the number two guy and now, instead of having two safeties deep, which they had to do last year because D'Amico Ryan's didn't trust the cornerbacks. And how could you basically how right, I mean, they right. And now we can see more single high and we we have seen that early on in training camp. So I, I think it just allowed D'Amico Ryan's to be a lot more aggressive with what he actually wants to do, especially on third downs. And that's just going to lead to more pressure. And I think also um, Ward's been playing a lot more aggressive because of the defensive line. So it's all tying itself together and it's going to come full circle.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I would think for a free safety, having just a little bit of faith in your corners, namely one specific corner, you know, you can always favor that other side yeah. that the defense is probably going to test anyways, because it's not your main corner. You know, and you can do. You can say the Forty ers if they want. And they can do like I think Belichick used to do it all the time. They put like Travarius Ward on the number two receiver, yep. who you would think he would just blanket for the most part, and then they double the number one, one and you're just like, I guess I got to fit it in there, you know? So yeah,
2: and that's what they. So today they did that with Ward and or sorry Jimmy Ward and it's, so Jimmy Ward.
1: Yeah, we got to make sure Tarverius we clarify.
2: <laughs> Tarvarius Moore. Um, that's going to be a headache all year. It's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Especially if Tarverius <laughs> plays. But, you know, they're, he's going to have so many more. Um, he's going to have a much deeper bag, D'Amico Ryan's, that is because of Tarvarius Warden. Yeah, I think um, he has a chance to be as good as Richard Sherman in 2019 and uh, Jason Brett in
1: 2020. It kind of feels pretty really good, good as a defensive coordinator having all those toys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> We
2: again, we, like we – we really don't talk about what the linebackers have done so far, and they, and they look really good as well. So um, Fred I mean,
1: Warner is such a – I've a, said it so many times in the pod, like you can't prepare yourself for what Fred Warner looks like until you just see him. Like he's – I've always said it, it's, it's not the breast raising. He's a hard 6'3", might be closer to 6'4". Right, I think he's closer. He's, he's like, he's like a, a slightly slimmed down version of Nick Bosa. Like he he's just shredded. is – so it's, it's unreal.
2: I asked Fred Warner yesterday, what are you working on? Like, what? how can you take your game to the next level? And he said, man coverage. And <laughs> I, I looked at him and I wanted, what are you talking about,
1: man? The You're guy a, that went one-on-one with, what's the Ravens receiver um, that he
2: covered deep? He's
1: not the Ravens receiver anymore. Right, right,
2: right. Hollywood Brown. Yeah. So, I, well, I wanted to ask because last year, when you watch the playoffs, they let him guard slot receivers down the field. Like, it would be tough for him to get any better in man coverage. But for him to just say that, I think he just wants more responsibility. Right, right. Um, he's
1: just showing off at this yeah, point. Let me guard number one wide receiver. Right. So it might get to that point. He, he's he got to be Well, you think man. about it, too. Like, he's almost six four. Your average slot receiver is probably six feet or less. Right. And if he's not right with him, you still have to get it over him. And that guy could probably jump.
2: There's a good chance he's probably as fast as a lot of guard, the
1: receivers Right. That he's guarding. Right. So, I mean, the, the 49ers defense just all over the place. They could be really – I think if they're not top five this year, you can – it's fair to say that's a disappointment. with The 100%. amount of talent they have, It's there's no excuse. I think there's a good chance that this is the last year D'Amico Ryan's with the 49ers. I know. I know. It's sad to say, but it's true. I mean, he deserves the credit because he's done it with – if he does it this year with all this talent, which he should, we've already seen him do it. Douche. Norman was the cornerback last year. We've seen him make do with less. We've seen him make do with less. Um, I like the way Traverius Ward carries himself, too. Did you see the presser the other day? Yeah. It seems like he's attacking, but he's really not. He's just like a
2: straightforward, blunt, confident dude.
1: Yeah, you know, he's just sure of himself. He talks the same way he plays. You know, you can just – and I haven't noticed him. Like, he's not yelling and – which is fine. Do what you want to do. I remember Richard Robinson before he fell apart like when he was having a really good Now that's
2: a name I haven't heard
1: <laughs> <laughs> in a long time. Um, he was, he carried himself I mean it didn't work out but he was having a good training camp and he would just straight up walk up and down the sideline in front of the offense talking shit on him you know because he was playing like that. At that time he was playing like that and obviously that went away but Um, so Travis Ward's DB coach from
2: college reached out to me on Sunday morning, randomly. He's like, how's my boy doing? Yeah. And here's what he said. He said he was a baby. So I was asking him, like, like, what was it like coaching him? Like, did you know, like, this was going to happen? Because he went to a small school, I believe, uh, or was it, um, East Carolina. Maybe that's not it.
1: The Pirates? Um, that
2: is the Pirates. Uh, he actually played with Kevin Byard, which is kind of nice to know that they had, like, essentially two pro bowlers in the secondary. But uh, he said he graduated uh, high school at 16, which is kind of crazy, finished junior college at 18. So
1: is he, he, I didn't even know that was possible. Right. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to compute it in my head too. (laughs) Um,
2: But he just said he was very mature and he probably had to be said. He also put on 25 pounds and he he just absorbed information like a sponge. So like you knew he was going to be good, just the way that they threw info at him. So like, that doesn't – that sounds a lot like what they're doing right now. I mean, it's it's still really, really early, but you can see, like, when a guy has it. And right. you can see when a guy's good. And you don't have to wait until week 18 – or, sorry, the middle of the season say, all right, now we can say Trevor Harris wards good. Like, based on what we saw at that position last year, based on what we're seeing this year, it's pretty evident, like, he's the guy.
1: Yeah, and he's going against good players. It's yes. not like he's, he's doing it against backups. So – and even though, you know, you could say Juice is not a wide receiver, but Juice has done – Juice has messed up plenty of corners. I strongly disagree <laughs> with that. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> He's not – I mean, yeah, he Juice can do whatever. I just think of Minka that one time. That poor guy. Um, <laughs> Nick Bosa. Good player. Good player. Um, like, got a sack today. He's beginning sacks, right? Oh, yeah, every day. So the pads didn't save the offensive line. We can talk about that from a rushing perspective. You know, it's easier the, the, – the saying is it's easier for an offensive line to protect in pads and run block in pads. And I'm not sure it helped anybody.
2: Yeah, I was, I was wondering, you know, how the offensive line would look now that it's the first day of pads. But um, it's like you still have to block Nick Bosa, man. I know. So Bosa was talking about it last week where he said – When the pads are off, I have to work on more of my finesse moves because I'm more of a power player. And, I mean, you saw what he did today. Well, you guys didn't see it. But um, whenever he gets one-on-one, it's very tough to stop this guy. And that's no no matter who he goes against. And he does have good battles with Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey, the fact that Mike McGlinchey's holding his own, I feel like that's a great sign. That's more of a takeaway than reporting, oh, Mike McGlinchey sucks because he gave up a sack against Nick Bosa. Well, there's going to be a lot of tackles that do that
1: this year. I'm sure Trent will give one up to Nick eventually, too. Ooh, it's just, that
2: hasn't happened yet. So period? That's, ever? that's interesting. No, I've never seen him practice over like, – this is going into three years You would now.
1: think just by the by the odds that he'd right. eventually have to try to, like, trip over some grass or something. He's, he's insane talking
2: about, like, their best players. Trent just doesn't get beat,
1: man. No. No, he's – I mean, there's there, – I'm sure there's plenty of people, including his teammates, that said so today that – I mean, Trent's like a top five player in the NFL. Like, no you don't need to talk about positions, doesn't matter. And we we're talking about it on the sideline. Like Trent could switch to a different position right now, like a defensive end, or and he'd probably be better at it than some defensive ends that have made it to the NFL as a defensive end. Like it's just he's not I think I've said this to you before on the pod, but Trent Williams is the type of person that if we went back to the days of like spears and weapons like he would he would have his own country like he would be the number one he would be the goliath that walks out in front of the army and it's like who's right yeah (laughs) who's your man uh but i mean even trent williams said today like i believe trent williams was asked if nick bosa you know look good is you know come back healthy and he's like did you see him (laughs) right and of course nick Bosa runs around with his jersey pulled up because he's a, a 250 pound Pass rusher with six with a six pack, which I mean, he might even be more than 250. What is what's Nick Bosa listed at?
2: Um, he's probably closer to 275, I imagine.
1: He walked by me to go to the bathroom, and I've never felt like a bigger person. There's six no. four,
2: 270
1: pounds. Yeah, sounds about right.
2: Uh, what well, who Trent said he's like, he looks like somebody etched like a out of
1: stone. Like yeah, that. he's like a Greek. Statue, which is like, yeah, that's what it looks like. It is. It's funny too, because if you walk, n- watch Nick Bosa run, his running had to is run the way he runs had to adapt to the fact that his quads won't move <laughs> past each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they the have size to, of this chair. Yeah, he has to bring his quads around each other. It's insane. It's man. just he's something else. So, is there anything? What else are we missing on training? Obviously, we got to talk about you know Brandon Ayuk's look good. Very, he's looked like the man on as as receivers and Debo Samuel will will have something to say about that obviously but and then you had do we do we know who Brandon Ayuk was going up against on that 40-yard bomb from Trey Lance oh yeah so he beat Mosley off the line right
2: away and I think the biggest takeaway from that throw is the throw is out in front of him so he had to step on Mosley but this isn't like a Jimmy thing it's all plenty of quarterbacks do this if you just under throw the ball, you allow the DB to catch up. And now it looks like the receiver never had a chance, but the fact when that the was, receiver
1: had already done the work, right. Beat yeah. him off
2: the line, got a step, stacked him, did all the, did all, you know, the wide receiver things you want him to do. And the fact that the ball was out in front of him and you just let, I keep running in stride was a bit, probably the biggest, I think at, uh, like 40 yard play. Yeah. And those have been pretty prominent and consistent throughout training camp so far. And I think that's, Probably another big takeaway for Lance is, like, we're seeing explosive plays being hit consistently.
1: Which is, like, Jimmy was closer to a 70% completion percentage. But if you could back that down to, like, the low 60s, but then the chance for an explosive play sign up goes – Right, right. I I guarantee you if you ask the defense which one they'd rather go against, they'd rather go against the efficiency guy that they don't think is going to test them. Yeah. Structurally, like Lance is going
2: to just like we've seen, like especially like last year, Trent Williams actually said the 49ers defense carried them to the NFC championship, which I'm sure ruffled some feathers. But like the slants, the curl, like the underneath routes aren't really going to hurt you. And that's why the 49ers offense was so stagnant last year. Like they needed explosive plays. They needed somebody who can, you know, Eventually, you're not going to be able to throw a screen to Debo, and he's going to take it 80 yards, right? right. You have to do offense, and that's what I think Trey Lance is going to be the. Big, that's where the biggest difference, I think, with Lance is going to come in, just you know, giving them another aspect or giving them
1: something down the field that they really didn't have. It's like an it's like an engine that may not run as smoothly, but it's got way more power, you know. And it's <sighs> and it just makes me think of that throw he had to Debo last season, where it was only about a 40 yard, 45 yard throw, but it was. Just an absolute rope. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And it it just – if if you have to watch. Maybe it's something like – maybe it's the coach coming from me. Like, if I was standing on the sideline and saw a quarterback throw, like, a 45-yard rope, I'd be like, what the f- – did I just nope. see? Can't call it that
2: anymore. Right. Can't call it that
1: anymore. <laughs> because it's, it's like – of course, every quarterback in the NFL can easily throw 45 yards. But to do it with a trajectory that gives a DB no chance to recover – and that's the type of stuff that I think that Trey Lance is going to bring that will probably balance out the mistakes we see is the fact that there's just going to be these plays that not many quarterbacks can create. It's just a matter of if he can do it often enough for it to matter. Who else are we leaving out? Brandon Ike was good we leaving anybody else out? Not really, man. George think, Kittle got got physical with Tarvarius Moore. Yeah, he had a
2: touchdown in the end zone, so George Kittle's still good. Nice to know. I know. Um, not really. Uh, you can
1: tell that was. by looking at him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, no, it's pretty – the good players are good, and <laughs> there are a lot of good players on the 49ers is, is the best uh, recap for trading camp.
1: What – I mean, is it fair to say probably the offensive line might be the only position you're concerned about at this point?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and it's it's not the entire offensive line. It's just the interior, but that's to be expected. Like we have to remember, um, rookie rookie who didn't play last year, so second year's player technically, and then Jake Brindle hasn't played in like three years. Daniel Brunskill's played center every now, like he's mixed in here and there, but um, I think he has like eight, nine starting um, starting games essentially based on the snaps that he's played at center. So like they have a lot of guys that they need to break in. And it's August 1st. Like They're they're not going to come in and going to blow the doors off you right away. It's well, going to be a work in progress.
1: The 49ers defensive line seems like a decent not trial by practice. fire. <laughs> you know, If you're really talking about practice and just trying to adapt to something, I would assume that going up against the 49ers defensive front would possibly make the regular season seem like a step down. Big time. Because, I mean, those there's nothing about the offensive-defensive line that isn't full go. And they're very good at that, too. Like, you can tell the competitiveness.
2: Chris Kostera gets fired up. He's talking to the players in between every snap. So uh, they're getting their work. They're getting their work. in. So that dude is
1: probably the most active coach I've ever seen. I would agree. Yeah, I've
2: never seen a coach do that. Yes, I, I the other day on Saturday, I think it was, after every play, he would walk up to the defensive line and kind of whisper, like, as so you coach them. And, of course, that happens – on the sideline once they come off, but, uh, he is about his hands on and it gets, and you see all these guys.
1: just you hear him for them. sure. They love him. Every snap he, I think he yells go or move, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. every one of them, man. How does he have a voice is what I really want to know. Yeah. He would probably, probably in a different life would have made a good like metal singer because he just <laughs> goes and goes and goes trying to just browse through my brain to make sure there's nothing else I miss. But,
2: didn't have anything else written down other than what we talked about.
1: Nothing too eventful. Nothing nope. too crazy. No,
2: nope.
1: But the defense definitely – if we're going to – I'm going to all end my pods with with a little bit of a keeping score. But I would say defense definitely won the day, right? No doubt about it. Yeah, there yeah. was only – if the 49ers were only able to score twice in the red zone, that I remember. One, two – Ayuk um, uh, and one Kittle. to Kittle. Yep. And how many plays would you say were ran in the red zone? 20 to 30? Yeah, probably a 20. 30 that's, not a bad, that's not a bad no, success rate. I'll yeah, yeah. We'll take that. So, and, uh, you know, you had that one deep play to Ayuk, but that's it. So defense wins this day, and I think that's good. Are we good?
2: Yeah, we're, we're good, good, man. Five, five days of training camp, five wins for the
1: defense. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, yeah, because you've been here for the other ones. That's what it's been, man. So and that and that's fine. That's fine. I, that, that just don't let that discourage you from what the offense is. You know the offense is going to be what good because be, right? right. They just yeah. get to go up against one of the toughest defenses in Campbell. All right, man. Right back at it. Appreciate the peer pressure. Woo!
2: Hey,
1: you KP. To be here. KP told me that if every day I didn't show up, he was going to publicly shame me at the press conferences.
2: Yeah, imagine like people. Everybody loves Trent Williams and Trent Williams talks a lot. Hey, Trent. Uh, Rob's not here. <laughs>
1: he would be like, who? <laughs> well, you need to tell him to get here. Let me show you who this <laughs> yeah.
2: Is.
1: yeah. Well, all right, man. Shoot, everybody listening. I appreciate you. Um, like I said, I will, uh, I will be bugging KP to get him back on here often. Because, I mean, we just chopped it up for a good 40 minutes. That was quick. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, be expecting a new episode of Striking Gold every day this week. Starting, I mean, I guess you guys probably won't hear this until Tuesday. It's Monday, right? Start to lose track of days when I'm at training camp. Um, So, yeah, be expect an episode after every practice. Just remember there's no practice Thursday. So even on the Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, I will be recording an episode and letting you know what went down. So make sure you've got the the striking gold feed on lock because it's going to be rolling. Um, And I figure I'm here. I might as well take advantage of it. But I appreciate everybody listening. You're the reason the pod exists, so keep listening. Tell your friends about it. Leave, uh, you know, download, subscribe, add to favorites, whatever you do on your little thing that make it makes us, makes us look better. So, all right, KP, say bye to them. Thank you. <laughs> that was pretty good. Radio voice. All right, that's KP. Hey. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We're signing out.